Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers. Thanks for joining me again. This is part two of anger. And um, I'd like to begin by talking about the misuse of anger, kind of a scriptural study. The Hebrew word for anger used in the Old Testament are snorting, indignation, fury, heat, burning, smoke. You get the idea of that, hot anger and uh, bitterness of soul and several other words. So we look back in uh, Genesis and Leah bore a daughter. She bore Jacob many sons, but she bore a daughter named Dinah. And Dinah was abused, defiled by the men in the city. And her two brothers, Simeon and Levi, went down into that city and killed every male and uh, harmed the animals and just wreaked vengeance and looted it. It was what they did in their anger was way out of proportion to the sin against their sister. So later when it came time for their father Jacob to prophesy over each of his 12 sons, this is what he said in Genesis 49, five and six. Let my soul not enter into their counsel let not my glory be united with their assembly, because in their anger they slew men, in their self-will they lamed oxen. Curse be their anger, for it's fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will scatter them in Israel. So he separated himself from them, which is what we need to do from an angry person, a really angry person. And he said they don't have any control over their own spirit. They are self-willed. Here's a few other scriptures about the misuse of anger. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Do not make friends with a bad-tempered, hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Anger is contagious. And if we walk with another person who's angry, we start picking that up and get ensnared by it learn their ways. Proverbs 29, 11 and 22. A fool lets fly with all his temper, but a wise person holds it back. There's just so much sin that can happen when we let go of this passion and, and let it go unchecked. Now, the two New Testament scriptures that I particularly like about anger, one is in James 1 and one is in Ephesians 4. So let me read those. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brother, brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And that's fleshly anger. So God's boundary is be a good listener and be very slow to anger. Not don't feel angry, not don't be angry, but be slow to, to go about expressing. And you know, God describes himself this way also. He says he's slow to anger, full of loving kindness. God doesn't say no to anger. He says yes to anger, but anger in context and appropriate anger. Be angry for the right reasons and be slow about it. And then I think Ephesians 4 is just one of the definitive words on anger. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 and 30. Tremble with anger. 
Now this word means a settled habit of mind aroused by indignation. So be indignant and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And that word for anger means anger mixed with irritation, exasperation, or bitterness. Do you see the difference? Be indignant, but don't become bitter with it. And do not give the devil an opportunity, a favorable advantage. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. All right, so he's saying several things in this passage. One is he says, in your anger, you're going to feel anger, you're going to be angry, and he gives us permission to express it. But then he says, don't sin. We have permission to have anger, but we don't have permission to, to punish or become bitter at others. And then he says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. So in an appropriate time context, deal with it and don't just let it continue and continue. Have a time frame, the current day, if possible. Then he says, don't give the devil uh, a foothold or an opportunity. Don't give him a superior position uh, so that you're subject to the wrong kind of anger. So anger is mentioned 450 times in the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament where it talks about the anger of God. It's very real anger. And uh, we need to get appropriately angry. You know, David many times expresses, expresses lots of emotions in Psalms, but he expresses real anger. In 1 Samuel eleven six, it says, the spirit of God came mightily on Saul, King Saul, when he heard these words. So the Ammonites were talking and using a lot of vengeful words. So the spirit of the Lord came mightily on Saul when he heard these words and he became very angry. God's spirit on him caused an appropriate emotional response to this. And then he took action. And then later he also showed mercy. So we see here the spirit of the Lord involved in this. Uh, we also see it in Jesus. He was fully human and had the full range of emotions. And his, his anger was righteous. That means it was right. And uh, I think the, the most common example we use is found in John 2, where he took the time to actually braid a cord for a whip. And then he took that whip to the temple and turned over the uh, tables of the money changers and chased people and animals out of there because his father's house was a house of prayer. He was indignant and appropriately so zeal for his father's house had consumed him. Okay, so let me just uh, talk a minute here about victim anger and the appropriateness of, of a victim being angry. And I want to quote here from Patrick Carnes' book, The Betrayal Bond. I think it's uh, very good. He says, appropriate anger on the part of the victim can break through denial and start a significant change process. That's what I was saying. Anger motivates us to do what we need to do. Anger can become the source of resolve to change and to draw a line in the sand that says no more. Your anger can fortify you to take the actions you must to take care of itself. It will also empower you to overthrow old rules of secrecy and to be honest about what you see and feel. In the future, your anger will make you intolerant of being exploited and used. 
but sometimes those with trauma bonds hold on to the anger too long in a way to stay connected to the abuser. This anger prevents the survivor from experiencing pain. Sometimes a partner has used anger to stay in the relationship, and we call that negative intimacy, when we use anger to stay connected to someone because the love bond has been so traumatized, and they're probably too scared to accept the pain of loss. We do hold on to anger sometimes, and we continue and, and, and when we hold on to it, there, there comes a deformity in our soul. We think it's doing us good. We think we are so justified. We think that it is right, that we were so wrong, that we need to continue and continue and continue to feel anger. And, and it just sort of feeds us. We like the power of it, but it's the wrong kind of power. And that has got to be harnessed by the Holy Spirit and turned into appropriate action. We don't need to keep justifying our behaviors and paralyzing our own soul because he offers us such freedom if we turn to him with the things that have caused real pain. All right, well, what to do? Sometimes we just haven't realized that there are alternatives to our anger. And so we just kind of keep making friends with it in our soul. We keep offering hospitality to anger and that's when it becomes part of our character. We become an angry person or a resentful and bitter person. So the first thing always we have to do is just take responsibility. This is who I am, this is what I do, and this is how I tend to react. Um, People act like they can't control their anger. I can't control my road rage. That's not true. And that's not true uh, scripturally. We can take responsibility and God does give us the empowering we need to do something about it. And unless we're mentally ill or chemically unbalanced or something, we can control our anger. Um, sometimes people have so suppressed their anger or been taught not to feel that they keep denying their anger and it's gonna find its way up in some way. But in that case, we can really pray, Lord, unlock my emotional life, unlock and release appropriate anger. And then we have to walk in a way where we learn to name it and we learn to take action. So sometimes we need to recognize that underlying unresolved anger really is an indication that there is a deep-rooted pain there and that that needs to be gotten to. Uh, the heart, the memory needs healing. We need the healing presence of the Lord for, the, for that. So this is all a process, but it starts with us being honest, being honest about it and coming to the Lord and coming into the light. The resolution of anger, especially a long-term anger, almost always involves forgiveness. It could be a group of people uh, or a person or a culture that has hurt us, but we're going to have to forgive. And uh, often we need to confess that we have been unforgiving, that we have been resentful, even as we choose to forgive. Um, we also have to forgive ourselves very often. We've been angry with ourselves sometimes. 
We've lived in um, self-rejection. We've lived in regret. We've lived in shame. And we have to forgive ourselves and let go of the anger and just offering it to the cross. Um, and with any bitter chronic anger, that's what we do. We bring it to the cross. We offer it to the Lord. For this he suffered. For this he died. And then we say, Lord, replace that anger with your holiness. Replace it now with courage and wisdom and show me how to walk in ways where I'm not so reactive, but where I can have courage and do what I need to do. And even if I stumble around a little, uh, begin to teach me how to express this well. Sometimes we've just got to find an accountability partner or a counselor, something like that to help us deal with the habit of anger. Well, there's some great books out there that we can read that teach us new expressions. How do we, how do you have a good conversation, right? We also may need to bring any generational patterns to the cross. Uh, maybe I saw it in my father or my grandmother or my great-grandfather and I recognize it and I bring that to the cross and I recognize that has come through that generational line that there's power in the blood. So I'm exchanging, I'm exchanging that fleshly anger for the fruits of the spirit. I'm inviting him to pour his own life, his own love into me. And um, so that anger will be disempowered and the righteous ways empowered. And then sometimes we need to just go ahead and engage our body in something different. We need to go work out. Uh, that'll dissipate anger sometimes. Uh, we need to take a walk. We need to uh, breathe deeply and do some of those things physically. Um, clench and open our fists. Do some of those things physically that tell our body, let it go. That tell our emotions as well, let this go. And so we've got to learn to express it well, and that's just going to take patience and a lot of practice. Yeah. So I hope that gives you hope and maybe increases your understanding of anger. Thank you for joining me for these two sessions, and I invite you to join me next time.